just not a human being. What is it that encourages missionaries? What is it that would encourage a missionary to continue on? You know, a few Sunday nights ago, we studied about Paul on his way to Rome and that terrible shipwreck that he went through. It was a long journey that he traveled as a prisoner. And so finally, he's arriving into Rome as a prisoner. And as he is making his way, he stayed a few days. And then notice how verse 14 has a last sentence in it. And notice this last sentence in 14 of Acts 28. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum and three ends. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. I believe that's one of the best examples we see in the scriptures of what we need to have in our heart and our mind as we approach next Sunday night. How can we encourage missionaries? When we think about Nick and Amy Fowler that are making decisions to change their life, to uproot the comfortable life that they have in a, here in America and say for at least five years, we're going to take our, our young family and we're going to move to Brazil. What is it that you and I can do to say, we want to encourage you. We want to make all the difference for good that we can make in your life. I want to encourage you next Sunday night by every action that we take and every word that we say, let it be type of symbolism, if you will, that we're walking out to meet them and that they will be able to leave here Sunday night and say, I thank God for that congregation and we are so encouraged to be about this mission work with them as our sponsoring congregation. Friends, you can't have a strong mission work without a strong, encouraging, supportive, supporting congregation behind you. And so next Sunday night, before services, after services, for that meeting, please reach out. Show them the love that, that you show to so many. Take the time. Go ahead and mark your calendar right now and say, we're staying after services and wouldn't it be wonderful if it was this many people that said, Nick and Amy, we love your work so much, we want to learn about your work. We're here. Dairy Queen can wait. We're going to be here to learn about your, your work because we want to encourage you. And let's make sure that they leave here next Sunday night knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that there is a congregation full of people here that love them deeply and want to encourage them in their work. And let's be prayerful about it couple of other things about Vacation Bible School. Uh, one of the mothers that, that we changed, a single mother, we changed her all recently. Uh, she needs, she can get her children here in the morning, but because she works, she can't get them home in the afternoon. And if there's anyone that can commit to taking those children home in Bender's Ferry in that area, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, those three children will be here. They're excited about the opportunity to be here, but we just need a commitment from someone. And so right after services, if you can meet Donna Crisp right over here in this area, uh, she will be there to talk with you about that. Please make sure uh, that if that's something you can do, 
that would be wonderful seeds that we can plant in the life of that young family. Also, if you're planning on, uh, if you've already committed, we've been in touch with several people. If you're committed to help with the teen VBS in any way, some of you volunteered this morning, drive vans, uh, refreshments, small groups. There's just various things. If you have committed in any way, please meet down here right after services. We're just going to touch base to make sure we're all on the same page. It ought to be a very quick meeting, but it would help us tremendously rather than trying to make so many phone calls and etc. So if you can do that, please, please do that. Vacation Bible School. Under construction. We're looking Monday through Thursday of things under construction. This morning we looked at the fact that that there would be much that we will study about in the Scriptures. That as we study about in the Scriptures, it was under construction. For example, before the flood, there was an ark that was under construction. And from that we see how important it is to make sure that we are a Noah type, that we have made our preparations to be saved. And we want to make sure that we convey to the children the idea of serving God and preparing our life in God's service is a wonderful way to live. But now let's think for just a moment about each of the other three. Look with me, if you will, to Exodus, the 25th chapter. Exodus, the 25th chapter. And and let's think about the tabernacle. You know, the tabernacle was a place of worship. It was a place that God commanded for them to build. And as we're looking at Exodus, the 25th chapter... I'll just take your memory back to Exodus, the 20th chapter. That's when the Ten Commandments were given. And then when you read 21, 22, 23, and 24, that is the Book of Covenants. That's what it's called in the 24th chapter in verse 7. So we have all of these laws and commandments that God gives Moses to bring down and read to the people. But before he comes off the mountain, he keeps him on the mountain for quite a while longer. And the reason he's keeping him for quite a while longer is he wants to tell him about a tabernacle that he wants Moses and the children of Israel to build. Now, the exact pattern takes place over the 25th chapter, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31. All of those chapters are details. It is the blueprint of how God wants the tabernacle and the furnishings. Look with me as we read Exodus 25, 8 and 9, just to point out how this was something that was to be under construction. Look what God tells Moses. And let them make, see it's under construction, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings just so you shall make it. Isn't that interesting language? Just so you shall make it. Not just anyway. I've given you a detailed pattern. In other words, you make sure you follow every bit of the detail. If you're not familiar with how detailed this is, of course, tonight we can't look over these six or seven chapters here in detail. But let me give you an example. Look at the 26th chapter, and we won't have a screen on this, but it'll be in in your pew Bible somewhere around uh, 74, 73 or 74 in the Bible that's in your pew. And and just look at the 26th chapter. Here's some of the details to the tabernacle. Verse 1, moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine woven linen and blue purple and scarlet threads. And then skip down and read verse 4. And you shall make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain. Look at verse 5. 
50 loops you shall make in the one curtain and 50 loops in the other. Look at verse 6. And you shall make 50 clasps of gold. And then in verse 7, you shall make also curtains of goat's hair. Now let's pause here for just a moment. The tabernacle itself was built like a cube. It was 15 foot wide, 15 foot high, but it's 45 foot long. You remember the last 15 foot was the most holy. So the most holy was literally a cube. But over it, for protection, was built tents. And that's what we're starting to read about in verse 7. The first tent that would cover it to protect it was made out of goat's hair. You skip down to 14, and they're going to make a covering also uh, of ram skins. But notice they're dyed red for the tent and covering of badger skins above that. Friends, do you get the idea? God said, I'm going to tell you how to build every bit of this. I'm going to tell you how to do every bit of the furnishings. Friends, there was a place that they were to worship, where they were to take their sacrifices, where the priests were to work uh, out of, of this location. Why? Because worship's important. You see, as we talk about this on Tuesday, it's a reminder to us, and it's a reminder or information to children. Worship has always been important to God. But as we think about this worship being important, I want you to notice, they had to believe in this enough to sacrifice. Did you notice that the few things that we read about, they were all costly? In this tabernacle would be gold, silver, brass, and bronze. In this tabernacle would be curtains made of fine linen and fine wool. In it would be colors. that I know today, to us, colors really don't matter a lot when we think about the expense of something. But in their day and time, if something was blue or purple or red, it was very expensive. That's why you usually only would see that upon royalty. And yet, God is saying to Moses, I want you to go down and tell these people that are just barely, if you will, surviving in a wilderness. I, I want you to tell them that I want them to make for me a place to dwell. In other words, there's going to be sanctification there. I'm separate from the world. Are these people going to come out and live a separate life from the world? I, I want them to understand where I am, and I want them to come to me, and I want them to live their life as the children of God, the children of Israel. But I want them to sacrifice. And what's beautiful about this sacrifice, where everything he asked was very expensive, but he didn't give them the things in, in per se to say, hey, here's the things to make this. He wanted them to give of their own means. Look down, if you would, to the 36th chapter. And I don't think we have a screen for this one. But look at the 36th chapter. And notice at the end of verse 3. At the end of verse 3, we see a sentence of Exodus, the 36th chapter. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Now, this is offerings they're bringing every day so that the tabernacle can be made. And look what the craftsmen were saying in verse 5. The craftsmen spoke to Moses saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. Isn't that wonderful? At verse 7, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Friends, these people were so sacrificial that literally Moses had to stop the people from bringing the expensive items, saying, enough's enough. There's enough to build this tabernacle. But before we leave this topic, I want you to notice something that really stands out in the way God records for us the book of Exodus. Did you notice how all of the details were given? And he said, I want you to do it just as I say. Isn't it interesting if you flip over a little further in your Bible, 
And in the uh, 36th chapter there, beginning at the 36th chapter and going through the 40th, so 37, 38, 39, and 40, if you study those closely, you realize that all of those chapters could have been recorded in just one or two verses. It could have simply said, all that God commanded Moses, Moses commanded the people, and they built it exactly as God said. It's obvious that God wanted to place emphasis upon it. So if you take all of that pattern, and then you read back in 36, 37, 38, 39, and 40, He's going back and he's stating how the people did it and he tells exactly how they did it. And you know how they did it? Exactly as it was recorded back in the pattern to say, do it this particular way. Do you realize, if I could say it this way, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this and we don't have time to elaborate tonight, but have you ever thought how valuable space is in the Bible? If you and I were probably going to try to write something that's this important, we would probably write something that is as long as as an encyclopedia set. But it'd be hard for people to carry that around and study it. God in His wisdom was able to condense everything that we need to know about God and about us and about now and about eternity in one book that we can hold. Now, you take that thought and think that now God, instead of just saying they obeyed, He takes around eight to ten chapters to drive home this one point. I gave them very specific plans of how I wanted it done and they did it exactly the way I asked. Friends, out of everything that I will share with you tonight, I would ask you to please cling to the reality of how big the emphasis is that God places on building the tabernacle in full obedience. He does sum it up here if you want to look here in Exodus 39 and verse 42. Look at Exodus 39 and 42. This is toward the end of the tabernacle being built and it says, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did all the work. And then Moses looked over all the work and indeed they had done it. And the Lord had commanded, here it is, just so they had done it. And Moses blessed them. When we think of a place to worship back in the Old Testament, what was the emphasis? Number one, God is there. Sacrifice to build something great. Number two, God is there. Be sanctified. Step away from the world. Be a part of His family. Approach God where He is. But number three, be obedient. Friends, there's a lot of mindset today that that God really doesn't care how we worship as long as we worship. From the very beginning of time, we see that that has never been true. State it again. We see a lot today that's based on the fact that God just really doesn't care how we worship as long as we worship. And from the beginning of time, that has not been true. Read Genesis, the fourth chapter, and see why Cain was not accepted. He did not bring the sacrifice that God asked. Read about the tabernacle and see if God said, Hey, just build me some kind of house. I don't really care how you build it. But no, it's every detail. And then that command is given in detail, and the obedience is done in just as the... the, the as, 
As detailed as was the pattern, the obedience was also just as detailed. Not only will we study about building an ark and building a tabernacle, but we'll also study about building a wall. Let's read a little few verses out of Nehemiah. And that's on page 428. Let's go to Nehemiah, the first chapter. Why do we need to know about building a wall? We're going to pick up the pace a little bit here. Nehemiah, the first chapter, look at verse 3. Why did a wall need to be built? Some brothers, a brother came and, and Nehemiah was in Babylonian captivity and, and he wanted to know what was happening back over here in Jerusalem. And so he asked the brother about that and he receives words that makes him cry. And, and they said to him, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province, notice this, they are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Friends, it showed that the enemies were still defying the, the strength of God's people because God's people still did not have a fortified city. They had no way to protect themselves. And as you read further in the book of Nehemiah, you see that whenever they did start to build back the city, the enemies tried to stop them. You see, the enemies at this time believed they were still in control. The truth is they still did have a measure of control over Jerusalem because they were not fortified. They were not protected. This broke Nehemiah's heart. God's people are still in reproach. God's people are still in despair. And so he goes back and he... He, he receives blessings from God. He receives blessings from the king. And he talks to the people. And look at the second chapter in verse 18. And notice what he says and, and what the people say. I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. See, I, I told them about God helping us. And also of the king's word that he had spoken to me. I told them about the resources the king had. Now notice what the people said. Verse 18. So they said... Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. Go to the fourth chapter and look what is said about their idea here of building. The wall's half built by the time we come to the fourth chapter in verse 6. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Here it is. For the people had a mind to work. What is it that we want to teach ourselves? What is it we want to teach youth as we think about young minds being under construction? What do we want them to learn from the wall, Nehemiah? One is we want them to see how God's people working with God have always been able to do mighty things to protect their life from the powers of evil. We also want them to see that they too can have a mind for, to work. Friends, tonight, can you honestly say, I'm mindful of the work of God? I believe that the work of God can not only be done, but it can be prosperous and that it can do great things. Do you have a mind to work? That's what we want to believe and we want our children to believe. And children that come and visit us this week, we want them to know that this is an exciting, productive place to be in the Lord's work. It always has been and it shall always be. But on Thursday, we're going to study the church. Let's go to Matthew, the 16th chapter. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, we began reading about what the Lord said He was going to build under construction. What is the Lord going to construct? In Matthew, the 16th chapter, in verse 18, it would be 866 in the Bible, in your pews there, 866. Matthew, the 16th chapter, in verse 18, Jesus says, I say also to you that you are Peter, and on this rock... I will build, I will construct, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Any of you that have been around building at all, you know exactly what I mean when I say a lock and key job. It's where you sign the contract and you say, we're not going to do any of the labor. We simply want you to build these plans and bring us the key. Not exactly that way, but it was almost that way where the Lord says, Peter, 
I'm going to build my church. I'm going to be the builder. I'm going to do it. But I tell you what I'm going to do, Peter. I'm going to make a lock and key job. Look at the very next verse. And verse 19, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? He says, I want to build this church. But Peter, I want you to have the keys to it. And we go to Acts, the second chapter, and we see the beginning of that church. And we see that the Lord did build it. And we see that Peter was the one that gave the keys to give access for everyone that, well, let's look at verse 41. Who's going to have access into this? Verse 41. Then those, this is Acts 2, page 966 in the Bible in the pew. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Who were they added to? Verse 47 tells us they were added to the church. Now the church is established. Peter is teaching how you can become a part of that church. And about 3,000 souls says, we want to be a part of that church. What we want to do is show the children that the Lord has constructed that church and that these are some of the things, the characteristics about that church. Look, if you will, as we go down to verse 42, look at some of the characteristics. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's teaching. And in fellowship, We can have fellowship in a lot of ways. Fellowship in the study of the gospel. Fellowship in service. Fellowship in prayer. On and on. But notice, and in breaking of bread, if that's just talking about a meal on a day-to-day basis or if it's talking about a worship setting, it's talking about the Lord's Supper and then of prayers. And so what we want to do and, and I ask you to think, not as someone, maybe, maybe many of you here come to church every week and several times a week. For just a moment, think as a child that may be 5 years old, 10 years old, or 15 years old, and they have never come to a church service. Or they only come once or twice a year. What are we going to try to teach them on Thursday? We simply want to pull back a curtain and say, we want to try to show you a church. We understand, you may not have ever seen one, but it's a wonderful place to be. Jesus built this just for us to be a part of it. Isn't that an exciting thought? To think that those are the seeds that we can plant? But you know what is just as exciting tonight as that on Thursday? Is there may be someone here tonight that's not a part of the Lord's church. And wouldn't it be wonderful if that individual tonight said, Why? Why am I not doing that if that's what the Lord is inviting me to? He's built it for me. He wants me to be a part of it. Why don't I allow my life tonight to go under construction so that the Lord can build me, so that He can create in me a new creation, and I can become the Lord's. I can be His. He can be the head, and I'll be His body, the church. Friends, tonight, if you've never done that, why not do that? Tonight, if, if you've drifted away from what you know God wants you to do, why not come back? Hopefully, We all here tonight can say like Paul said in Philippians, the third chapter, we've not yet attained. Nobody here has yet arrived. In that sense, we are all still under construction. But we can surely allow the Lord to place us under construction and we can be saved. Tonight, if you're not saved, don't leave here in that condition. If we can help you in any way, we want to help you. Tonight, if you haven't already been praying about the opportunities we have this week, be sure that tonight you're starting to pray about those. If we can help you in any way, come.